What's going on? Uh, this is a good one. It's a long one, but it's worth it. Um, I sit down and have a wonderful chat with Julianne Dallas. She's a trauma-informed life coach, and she helped me out tremendously with unpacking trauma patterns that I had. Um, so if you are a dog, just came in again. He always does this. He knows. He knows what's up. But you know who doesn't know what's up? You. Because you haven't listened to the rest of this chat yet. And it's really good. It's. I promise you it's worth the wait. So, um, actually, I'm just going to shut up and get right to it. Um, so, here is my wonderful discussion with Julianne Dallas. We talk about uh, trauma, trauma-informed therapy, attachment patterns, um, relations to service members, all kinds of great stuff. So stand by. We're going to get to that right now. All righty, we are back again. Sorry for the late delay. There's a reason, though, because we have the guest of all guests, the person who has helped me probably the most in understanding mental health, where it starts, where it goes, and how to connect all the pieces um, if you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen me post um, stuff about her before, but I am honored to be joined by Julianne Dallas. Julianne, how are you? Amazing. Yeah, thank you for that beautiful intro. Yeah, thank it's always you for humbling. coming on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's always humbling just to, to have, you know, that, that reflection. It's just like, oh, wow, it feels so good. It expands my heart. Yeah, well, I mean, we we talked a little bit about um, before the record, kind of catching up because um, we we have done work uh, together. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell my listeners what it is that you do and how you came to find your your path? Hmm. Yeah, I like that you are combining those two together because I think. I think they're really, they are very intimate, the relationship between what I do and how I came to do what I do. So, I mean, the the description is trauma-informed life coaching, but usually when I say that to people, their eyes kind of glaze over and they're like, okay. (laughs) A lot of people don't want to touch trauma with a 10-foot pole. A lot of people just don't know what that means, right? So they don't know how to engage in conversation with it. And a lot of people are struggling with their own stuff that they just don't, they don't want to accidentally open up like a doorway to a conversation that they're not ready to have. Um, But essentially, you know, you talked a little bit about mental health. My perspective on mental health is really looking at the entire person Mm -hmm. and understanding that a lot of these things that Western medicine has really labeled as problematic or symptoms or syndromes or um, illnesses is really actually quite natural and adaptive to abnormal circumstances. And so if we look at the whole person in context to what they've experienced in their life and how they've had to overcome certain things, and when we understand how our neurology and our biology adapts to those circumstances in order to survive and to get through sometimes some really weird stuff, the whole person tends to make a lot more sense, including these things that we struggle with, things like self-sabotage and mental health issues, anxiety, depression, suicide, suicidal ideation, alcohol issues, relationship struggles, 
all of these same things start to have more context when we really take that 30,000 foot perspective and look at the entire person. So when I, when I talk about trauma, trauma is really just the chronic interruption of connection and how that affects our human condition when we have experienced a lot of interruption of connection. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and I like what you said about the, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, like adapting to those abnormal circumstances. Cause <clears throat> not that I am like a Jocko Willink or Chris Kyle, um, Dakota Meyer or anything like that. I mean, I'm close, but whatever. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, so in my military career, as, as you know, I really haven't done what I would say is too much, right? So I, I, I haven't, I haven't been in combat. I haven't fired around in anger. And when I came home from Afghanistan, I had felt like there were these disruptions, as you called them, these disruptions that I, I couldn't quite make sense of. And I, I, I thought, well, I don't, I can't have PTSD because I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't see anyone die and you know, whatever. Um, and what, I've come to learn, and, and it's partly through, I would say, the work that we've done together, is the abnormal circumstances. It, it could be a dog barking at you when you're three, and that, for whatever reason, makes you feel so unsafe that it it disrupts your nervous system to the point where you're like, now my perception of what safety is and what security is is gone because this dog is in my face barking and then so from at, from this point forward, I'm now afraid of dogs, which I'm not. I mean, you, you've seen Daytona. Um, yeah. So bringing it to like the military, because that is, I think, deployments. And even if you don't deploy, just going through boot camp or going through those search, the situations are abnormal circumstances. Most people don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, what what is your like orbit? around military service mm. well before i get into that i just really want to validate what you're saying because the military entity in and of itself like going through that institution can be you know a one long drawn out chronic interruption of connection right sure. we also have the military has this really unique duality in it in that a lot of people experience this sensation of brotherhood deeper than they ever have in their entire lives Absolutely. while simultaneously having to funnel themselves into a pretty narrow category of what they're expected to be, who, how they're expected to feel, how they're expected to think, etc. So now we have this like very deep connection that can only really be found in those types of communities, especially when you're deployed, right? You know, being in high stakes environments and having to rely on each other for your own survival and the survival of your peers. So there's this really unique bonding experience, but then it's also tied to, you know, you have to fit inside the container of what it means to be a service member. Absolutely. And even just dealing with rank, right? The, the bizarre issues that arise with very clear hierarchy, it almost tends to take on the role of primary caregivers in terms of how our nervous system responds sure. to someone of a higher rank, right? So, I mean, that just to kind of, you know, hold that container, the whole situation is unique and can have some 
sometimes bizarre circumstances or mm, circumstances is not the right word. Some bizarre effects when it comes to trauma and the nervous system and how we relate to ourselves and to people. Sure. So I just wanted to validate that before I talk about my relationship with the military. So I myself don't have any lived experience um, being in, in the military. And a lot of times that surprises people because for a really long time, it's been the main focus and main demographic of my work. Um, but the reason why it's so near and dear to my heart is the partner, my partner, the man that I fell in love with, the man that I chose to be two feet in, which was actually one of the first relationships ever in my life where I chose to do that, had a very significant military background. And as I was processing my own traumas and understanding, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, how mental health and all of these pieces kind of fit together to create the human experience, how I was applying that to my own journey, I saw that military service really can add on top of pre-existing patterns and issues that are no longer working in people's lives. It adds on like almost this layer effect to traumas that people are already trying to sort through, which really becomes like sometimes um, like a sticking point when you're trying to solve these issues in your life, because you definitely have to acknowledge what military service has shifted or done to your nervous system. And I saw that in my relationship very intimately because I, not only was I seeing patterns that I was dealing with in my partner, but I also saw this additional layer, which was very real, right? Yeah. Stuff that we experience in military service is very real. It's not irrelevant in any way, shape or form, but oftentimes it gets blamed as the sole culprit, right? That it's all because of military service and, the label of PTSD or complex PTSD gets thrown onto it a lot and medications get thrown onto it and all kinds of stuff. When really what's happening is there's an exacerbation of pre-existing issues that were present long before military service. And so I saw that this was a really, honestly, a demographic that was suffering and was being told these like really band-aid solutions to something that was only like a tip of the iceberg, so to speak, of what was really going on for these individuals. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, I think it's so important, um, you know, because you have, you know, you might not have, and that, that's why I picked the word orbit. Cause it's like, you know, I know that you know, about your mm-hmm. partner and stuff. Like for, <clears throat> My fiance, I don't know if I've mentioned her name on the podcast yet, so I'm gonna not do that just in case. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but I'm I'm planning on bringing her on as like a guest, you know, to talk about what her relationship is to me because my like my perceived reality of what the military and the Marine Corps did to me, for me, etc might be different than what she's seen because we started dating before I joined and now we're engaged and to the experience of a partner who has no I don't want to say stake because you do you're a partner of somebody that's in the military or was well it's not her lived experience yeah that's that's the phrase I'm looking for it's 
it's something almost foreign. And I think that that's what's beautiful about the work that you do is that you're able to take the understanding from your partner, how it um, kind of wove itself into your relationship and then use that as a way to relate to other military members and, and veterans and, and the like. Um, so whatever you're comfortable with sharing, you don't have to go too deep if you don't want to. What was it like for you to be with, um, what was it like to be with him and watch the trauma patterns kind of unfold and then what was it like as you began to heal personally and as he began mm. to heal personally, what did that look like together? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting to think about it like that big zoomed out perspective of his stuff, my stuff, our stuff together, and then the evolution of all of that over time. It, you know, the interesting thing that that I've been able to apply in my coaching practice even with military and veterans is that the real work was not actually in observing my partner. The real work was embodying what I teach myself and actually going deep into my own nervous system and the, the parts of myself that I really didn't have the skills or tools to navigate or to even be with, even just to know that they existed on my own. And the piece of that is was really understanding that that was not unique to me and it's also not unique to civilians it's not unique to people in the service there is there's a thread that runs between all of us which is that we all have the same nervous system sure. and at our root we are all human beings you know of the of the human being species right. and to go back to trauma being the chronic interruption of connection, that is really the root of all of this. And in healing my nervous system's expectation for the chronic interruption of connection, that was the pattern that was playing out in my life and on my side of my romantic relationship with my partner is I was chronically kind of expecting the same type of trauma that I that I experienced in early childhood to play out in every area of my life. I wasn't consciously aware of that. I wasn't thinking in, you know, in the forefront of my mind that that's what was going to happen. But in retrospect, that's what I was living out was just basically the echo of what my autonomic nervous system had learned to function in. And so it was really about me owning my side of things and owning the chaos that I was actually experiencing internally and projecting part of that onto my partner. Now where his, his stuff comes in, where some of the military service piece comes in is the chaos that I was actually projecting onto him. He was very familiar with sure. because <laughs> he was accustomed to also experiencing a high level of chaos. And so both of our nervous systems were felt really actually normal, regulated, comfortable with high levels of chaos and not with safe, consistent connection. So we would both do really interesting things in our own way. And we can get into kind of what that looks like in terms of 
unique attachment patterns, but sure. we would both kind of create chaos in our relationships to just find some type of semblance of familiarity because that's what our nervous systems were accustomed to. Both of our nervous systems were accustomed to the chronic interruption of connection. And so it took a long time of kind of owning our side of the street, so to speak, doing our own work. He had his own thing that he was doing. I had my own work that I was doing with my own trauma-informed coach. And, you know, to be quite honest, the military stuff was like a layer, like the top layer of the onion. Like I said, it's not irrelevant. It's definitely something that needed to be dealt with, especially since, and people listening to this will probably be able to relate if they've had similar experiences, but he was in Afghanistan, which is a very unique war and a very unique environment when it comes to adaptations in the nervous system because it was a war that you know you often didn't see the enemy you often didn't engage with the enemy it was often you know any step that you take could be your last and there's you have no there's nothing that you can really do about it it's not like you can engage with the enemy and discharge some of that fight or flight energy so it all builds up in the nervous system and it becomes this nine month chronic interruption of connection where you're just constantly in go mode constantly hyper vigilant so it layers onto pre-existing issues because if you had a habit let's call it of putting things in the filing cabinet so to speak in the back of your mind or avoiding emotions or labeling parts of yourself as wrong if you were already predisposed to kind of hiding yourself or going numb to your emotions going on deployment for nine months and being in a state of fight or flight where your emotions absolutely have to come you know at the bottom of the barrel they are not relevant in a state of you know where your survival depends on it absolutely if they were we would all be very much in trouble yeah there is a hierarchy of survival, right? And emotions come last. But oftentimes when these men and women come back from deployment, they've spent nine months in a part of their nervous system that is not responsible for feeling safe and socially connected. They've spent nine months or more or less, whatever it is, in a state of hypervigilance. And so when they come back, we have what's called the ventral nerve the ventral nerve is a, biologically the part of us that's responsible for feeling socially connected. That can't also be turned on when we're in a state of fight or flight. So when these men and women come back, oftentimes their ventral nerve has actually atrophied. So it's gotten smaller, just like a muscle that you right. you know, don't work out at the gym. It's going to get smaller if you don't use it. And so people who already had a challenging time being intimate with other people or being intimate with themselves now have a very real biological impediment to doing so. So these pre-existing patterns just become exacerbated. And that's when people can find themselves in a hole that they can't get out of. Yeah. Right. Because these, these patterns have been present for them their entire lives. And now suddenly it feels internally to them that they have a very real handicap. It's just something that they can't biologically access 
right? And so they're feeling really lonely, really disconnected from the people in their lives, which they were probably already feeling a little bit before they right. they joined the service. Yeah, so it's that was a really long answer for your original question. That was a good was, answer, though. Let me tell you, that was <laughs> I, I felt like you were preaching a sermon right to my heart. That was crazy because um, it's that was I'm I'm honestly in a sense relieved that like every time um, I hear stories about people's experiences in Afghanistan where they're like, yeah, the stress wasn't about fighting or engaging. It was about the waiting for the fight. That's the worst part. That's like, to me, I'm like, oh, okay. Whew, I'm not the only one. Thank you. Like, that's very validating because like I said, I never, I never fired around in anger. And, and then when I came home, I still had that bug, that thing that was like, you're not safe regardless of where you're at. You're not safe with your partner. You're not safe with your family. You're not safe with the only people that I felt safe with was the guys I deployed with. So whenever we would hang out, man, I could let my guard down. No worries. We'd go out to a club, go out to a bar. I'm easy. But I go out to a bar with my fiance and I still get like, Got to look over my shoulder, check the exits. Um, so you you mentioned it a bit. And um, this is the part that I think the people listening are going to benefit from the most. Um, let's get into the attachment theory aspect of your coaching. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so like you're saying, attachment, attachment theory or rather attachment patterns is what I'll call a very large pillar of foundation for the work that I do. It goes back to connection and the chronic interruption of connection. So connection is a biological imperative for the human species. It's not a lofty idea. It's not a spiritual concept. It's not a fleeting emotion. It is a biological imperative for healthy development of humans on an individual scale and as a species right so this whole idea of like lone wolf hero of your own journey it's actually quite a fallacy we need other people's nervous systems in order to survive and so in early childhood i'm also hearing a baby in the background so I if I, <laughs> i'm like Ooh, mom brain yeah, is kicking sure. um in early childhood we have you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like oxygen, safety, food, water, and then connection. Right. So we really need connection just to even have some type of stability in our internal neural network so that we can actually develop and create new neural pathways and become human beings. So when I say it's a biological imperative, like it's real. So what happens when we experience the chronic interruption of connection, when connection is not consistently available, or in order to remain in connection, we have to deny, fragment, or make wrong pieces of ourselves mm -hmm. in order to keep that connection alive with our primary caregivers. So here's where attachment systems, attachment styles come into play. It's basically a way that we can identify how nervous systems needed to wire themselves to find some type of predictability mm. 
in their relationship with their primary caregivers when the connection was not safe and or consistent. And there's predictable ways that that shows up for people. There, those patterns of connection follow people all the way into adulthood. They, it's the way that your autonomic nervous system gets shaped and wired to predict relationships in life. So it's the same part of our nervous system that beats our heart. And I know you know this, this yeah. is like part of my thing, right? The autonomic nervous system is the same part that beats our heartbeat. So it's very primal. And this is where our attachment system exists in the same part of our nervous system that beats our heart. So for example, if connection in early childhood with our primary caregivers was not available, this often happens with parents who are struggling with addiction, alcoholism, just parents who are absent, the child learns to basically be an island unto themselves. Sure. And we call that the avoidant attachment pattern. Some, some kids learn that connection is available, but only under certain circumstances, only if they behave in a certain way, only if they subscribe to the unwritten family belief systems or views, right? So the child learns that I can get connection, but I have to be A, B, C, or D. And right. oftentimes that's at the expense of their sense of self, right? That's what we call the anxious attachment system because that attachment system is very aware of connection, but they're always afraid that they're not going to get it or they're right. not going to get it right. And then we have what's called the disorganized attachment pattern, which is a little bit of both. So if anyone's listening and they're like, well, I resonated with that, but then I also resonated with that. Well, this is where you want to pay attention because the disorganized attachment pattern is a combination of both, which really ends up feeling like come here, go away. Right? Right. Come here. I need you. I need you. I need you. No, no, no. Go away. Go away. Go away. And this is so primal. This is so foundational that it doesn't just show up in our romantic relationships. It is our relationship to everything in existence. Our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with money, our relationship with our parents, our relationship with our careers, our relationship with our emotions, all of the things. So the good news is that the golden nugget that we're all striving towards is called secure attachment. And no matter what you experienced in early childhood or no matter what you are identifying as a very solid pattern in your life, that can change towards secure attachment. And secure attachment really means that you can give and receive love with ease, that you can access the full range of your human experience, all of your emotions, you know who you are. It's easy to access what you want, mm. what you desire. It's easier for you to put up boundaries, to communicate your needs. And it's really the ability to be two feet in, in life with everything that you do, instead of having that one foot in, one foot out sensation, or one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas and everything that you do. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of a quick snapshot of attachment systems and how it plays out in our adult relationships. Yeah. It's, and one of the things <clears throat> that actually drew me 
towards doing work with you was you would put out uh, like a webinar, like a like a free webinar thing, and and one of the questions you had you had uh, put on your your story was, do you feel stuck? And I was like, I couldn't click yes enough. <laughs> and that's like a reoccurring thing that I've noticed. The more that I talk to people about like mental health or, or different trauma patterns, a lot of times people co- will come back to me and say, well, I feel stuck. Like, I don't know what to do. And it's like, well, mm. that's that one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas. Because where are you going to go? You're not going to go anywhere. Exactly. Um, yeah. So without giving away the bag too much, because we're going to do a shameless plug at the end of this, um, <laughs> what... <laughs> Let's say let's say that I'm I, I've had no experience with you with any type of um, life coach trauma informed or otherwise, and I come to you and I'm like, hey, I you know what I, I heard you on the now world famous podcast, the Diver Initiative, um, and I would like to to do some work with you. What what can what can listeners expect if they decide to go that route? And you should you should decide to go that route, but if they decide to go that route, what, what are some of the ways that you navigate through trauma work? Mm. Yeah. So right away, I mean, the most important piece, and you'll resonate with this, Steve, the most important piece in coming to work with me is people really need to be authentically drawn. Yeah. Right. It's because this work is all about repairing relationships, right? Because, Trauma is the chronic interruption of connection, right? So what we do in this container is we we basically repair that part of the nervous system that does not trust relationships or does not trust relationships in the way that it is craving to do so. Mm. Remember when I say relationships, it don't just mean romantic partnerships. It's our relationship with everything in our lives, our literally our ability to be in relationship. So the first thing is that people have to be authentically drawn to, I mean, it could be to me, but it's also with any type of any person that you're seeking support with, or you're seeking um, to receive some kind type of help, mentorship, guidance, counseling, whatever it is, you need to feel kind of that inner pull, your spidey sense, so to speak of like, I don't hundred percent know what it is about this person, but I, I believe that they can help me. Right. And so, that's really what I look for when people are coming to me, mm. that they're ready. They're in a place where they're very certain that what they've been doing up until this point is no longer working for them. Maybe it did at some point in their lives, sure. but they are very clear that if they could fix whatever patterns are happening on their own, they would have done so already. Absolutely. Right. So there's, there's almost like a, a one part humility, one part, just readiness. And then a third part, which is usually the new piece that people experience is trust, right? They don't know where it's coming from, but they're like, I trust that this can mean something for me. I am ready. I don't know how to do this on my own anymore. I don't know what this looks like moving forward, but I'm trusting that this is the right place for me. Because to answer your question of what to expect in trauma work, you really create the container 
and the lived experiences of you truly going where no version of you has gone before, mm. right? Because all the places that you've gone before in yourself, all the things that you know are patterns that aren't working for you anymore. So if you knew what it was going to look like, you would have already done it. It would have already been the solution, right? So there's a there's an inherent risk when you move into trauma work just because it, it, it is inherently so unknown, right? It's a part of your nervous system that you've never felt before, you've never moved through before. We're also, we create new neural pathways, right? Mm. The, the well-conditioned pathway in the brain of how you tend to think about things, how you deal with things, how you solve problems, that's not working anymore, right? So we, we're creating the path of, we're creating a new pathway that is no longer the path of least resistance, mm. right? We're building a new reality for you based on new choices, new lived experiences. And a lot of the times that's very confronting for people's nervous system because these patterns exist to keep us safe, right? Even if they're not working anymore, at one point in time, they kept us safe. At one point in time, they did work for us. Mm. So when we go to challenge those patterns, when we go to change them, you know, weird stuff happens in the nervous system. Yeah. There's a little bit of rebellion, which is why it's so damn hard to do it on your own. Because you're, you know, let's say you're listening to this and you're 33 years old, your nervous system is basically like, we've been doing this for 33 years. What the hell you're telling me that we're going to drop all of our safety mechanisms and, what? No. Yeah. Right? So it's really about, you know, creating new lived experiences, but going at the pace of the individual's nervous system. Because if we do too much too soon, the nervous system will just rebel back into the familiar patterns, right? That self-protective behavior, whatever that might be for you, whether that's self-sabotage, whether that's chaos, going numb, pushing people away. These are all self-protective things. So if we go too fast, too soon, that's inevitable. That's going to happen. Right. So, yeah, it's it's about going where no version of you has gone before. So it's different for every individual. And what I will say is that it starts with context. We just start building context. You know, what brought you here? What are you struggling with? What are the things that aren't working for you anymore? Where do you want to go? Right. And then a part of the initial call that I have with people is we both have to feel on some level that I can help you get from where you are now to where you want to go. And there's, there's kind of a trusting that needs to happen there. Like a, like I said, that spidey sense because we're rewiring relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember back to, when I first did the discovery call with you, the end of it, you said, it works. <laughs> so like confidently, you're like, it works. And I was like, there's no way this works. But I was like, you know what? I, exactly what you were saying. I had done everything there was to do. You know, I'd been in therapy before. I had, you know, seen a shaman. I consulted a witch. I prayed to Mecca. I did everything you know, rubbed crystals together, nothing worked. And I was like, I still feel like a hot bag of ass all the time. 
And that's one of the things that like, that, that like I said uh, in the beginning, I'm, I'm just so grateful to have found you and as somebody who does hold that container and somebody that is, is willing to do that work of allowing the nervous system to reframe and reprocess and heal from trauma that, I mean, I'm not going to air my dirty laundry out on a podcast, but you know, years back, you know, just shit that was like, I was like, oh, I've been there, done that. Like, that's not a big deal to me. Why That's why are you, whatever. Um, but like you said, how you relate to one thing is how you relate to everything. And it was these these patterns, which is why I love that that terminology, because it's something that is so replicated, at least in my own life that I've seen. It's just one thing after another, after another, after another. Um, so... Yeah, I everything that you're saying, like I said, I feel like I feel like we're doing another coaching session. I feel like, you know, I just got like a free coaching session. It's great. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's revisiting things that you that you already know, but it's just every time that we you know, we revisit information, it lands in a different way because yeah. who you are today. I mean, it's been a little while since we've worked yeah, together it has been a bit. and a lot has transpired, right? Yeah. So who you are today is different than who you were six months ago. And so the information that you're hearing now is landing slightly different because yeah. you are slightly different. Your nervous system is slightly different. And you've been a- applying the things that we've worked through together in your life. And I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say anything, but just before we got on the call, we were just presencing some of the incredible things that have shifted in your life that were things that you didn't even think were possible before starting this journey. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> and I thank you for the reminder of on that discovery call. Cause I remember, I don't know, maybe it was like a month in working with each other and you said, <laughs> You're like, I got to be honest, honest with you. I totally thought you were full of shit. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I love that honesty. Because like, that's, that's kind of the, the, the transparency that we need with this work. Like the resistance is normal, right? Like, of course it's normal. You've been dealing with these patterns for so long. They're so deeply ingrained in your reality, right? right? It's all you've ever known. So when you go to try something new again, that old kind of voice in the back of your head is like, yeah, yeah, what's going to be different this time? The, you're, you're full of shit. She's full of shit. All of this is full of shit. What's going to be different? And, you know, well, the difference is that you're doing trauma work, but also that you actually were trusting a spidey sense that you had. Hmm. right you were in between a rock and a hard place of like i'm trusting that there absolutely is a different way that i don't currently know because everything that i do know everything that i have tried is not working yeah right so oftentimes people will stay stuck if they still think that that what they've been doing is working for them right so this is where and I know there's going to be people listening who are going to identify themselves with this, but this is where a relationship with alcohol can be really sticky, mm-hmm. right? Because some people are like, well, alcohol is still working for me. 
it's the alcohol is the only time I ever feel anything. Mm. So why would I give that up? Right. But alcohol becomes a surrogate. Alcohol becomes this external thing that basically takes the place of having to do trauma work and having to meet yourself in a way that you've never met yourself before. So if people, you know, are still holding on to stuff that is working for them or they think is working for them, they're not going to take that leap of faith to, to really move into a place that they've never been before. Yeah. Right. Because it's, you know, as far as, again, the nervous system is concerned, our primary, its primary job is to keep us alive. Sure. Right. And these patterns have effectively done that. So to change those patterns, we really have to start confronting mechanisms in our body that are used to keeping us alive. Do you know how much resistance comes up with that on a biological level? Probably more than zero. And that's enough. <laughs> and that's enough. If it's more than zero, that's enough. Because the, the if, if your body is resisting like anything, like I, you know, cold showers, my body is like, I don't like this. And I'm very tempted mm. to change the dial. All, like autonomically almost like I'm just like it's that gut reaction or you see a snake and you like flinch Auto mm. automatically your body's just like yeah get this fucking thing away from me I don't want this and it's totally. like you know like you were saying I, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but it's like it, these patterns is what your body is so used to and they're they're seeing something like healing which to any normal person I shouldn't say normal to any person with a regulated nervous system, they would look at healing like, yeah, that's a good thing. And for, for people that have a dysregulated nervous system, they're going to be like, no, that's the snake in the grass. That's I don't trust that because that's not part of my framework. Mm, yeah. Well, sometimes it's hard for people to even identify that that's what's happening because if you tell someone who's really, really suffering that there's a part of them who there's a part of their nervous system that actually feels very familiar with the suffering, it's going to sound like you're telling them that they're choosing to suffer, sure. which a lot of times you're going to get a big fuck you from Absolutely. that right? because they're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like all I want is to heal my marriage, fix my, you know, quit this, do that, do this, like get the love that I'm craving. Like, that's all I want. What do you mean? I'm like, I'm afraid of that. And that's really a symptom of the disorganized attachment pattern that is so used to wanting, but never getting. Yeah, That's the familiarity is that painful zone of the stuckness that you talked about wow. that come here, go away. Right. If there's a pattern of the biological need to reach out for connection, but then connection is also the same source of pain and maybe even unsafety, mm. well, your wires are going to start to get crossed. Right. And you're going to replay this familiar sensation in your body over and over again of the thing that I want is also hurting me. Yeah. So what do you do with that? Right. That plays out in all kinds of funky, weird ways. So it actually becomes consistency that becomes the threatening thing or what we can call healing. Mm. Right. Consistency 
it sounds like, an, oh, you just stay consistent with things. But if you have the disorganized attachment pattern and your nervous system thrives in chaos, well, guess what? Chaos is not the thing that freaks you out. That's your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. The thing that freaks you out is when things start to go well and when, you know, shit is, isn't hitting the fan. Absolutely. That's when your nervous system goes, wait a second, this isn't right. When is the other shoe going to drop? Something's wrong. And that's when weird self-sabotaging behaviors comes in or weird fantasies or, you know, getting bored with what's happening in your life. So Mm. you just want to blow it up, right? That like, that's the thing that becomes the thing that we are working through is like, Ooh, what comes up when you are consistent? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I love it. I love it. This is, this is awesome. I hear, I hear the baby in the background. (laughs) Can you hear that? Yeah, and we're coming up on the hour, so we um, we'll wrap it up. Um, shameless plug time. Where can people find you? Should you wish to be found? <laughs> I love that caveat. Should you wish to be found? Um, so people. right right now, I do have a wait list for one on one clients. Mm-hmm. You, the easiest way to find me is Embody by Jules. E M B O D Y J U. L E S. So just I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, that's just my Instagram. That's where I put all of uh, my content out. Um, I'm branching out, so I don't exclusively work with military and veterans anymore. That's Mm. kind of been my own sort of evolutionary process. But I'm really, I really get excited about working with people like yourself who you know, the sky is the limit mm. Like creating podcasts. Like if, if you have a, a desire to start a business or you really want to go to a place in your relationship that you've never been before, or you're really ready to not only heal the things that aren't working for you, but to actually go to that next level and start making real the things that you've wanted to do your entire life. Those are what I like to call my soulmate clients and the people that I really get, you know, excited to work with. So um, yeah, if anybody's interested, that's where you can find me. I put a lot of content out there. Mm. And if you want to book a discovery call, like we talked about in this, in this podcast, you can click the link in my bio and we can kind of chat about all of these things. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I'll, I'll link all that. Um, I'll link your, uh, Instagram in the show notes so that people can find you pretty easy. But I, again, I, I really, cannot express enough i appreciate you so much for coming on it's insane it's insanely good to talk to you again and good to see you yeah so good to see you thanks for having me yeah all righty well that is going to do it for this week's episode and uh this is the part of the show because it's actually not going to do it for this week's episode unfortunately because this is the part of the show where i do my shameless plug hello no shame here no shame in the mental health game. Um, yeah, man. You can support the podcast if you'd like. But look, Keystone Pipeline or Russia, depends on the narrative. Or it could be Hunter Biden's deals with Ukraine. Who knows the reason why gas prices are so high, but they're so damn high. I get you. $70 to fill my tank. I'm not donated to a podcast. But if you have the extra funds lying around, bruh, send it. Send it my way. There's a link in the bio. I would much appreciate, um, and I'll give you 
a special shout out on next week's episode and compliment your genitals. I promise you, I will do that. That being said, if you are in the camp of me, I mean, there's the God, I mean, money is crazy right now. So you can support me in other ways, in many ways, some might say. And one of those ways, five star reviews, leave one on Apple Podcasts. you could support the show by subscribing, telling your friends, sharing it on your social medias, um, just getting the word out. This, um, like I said, I say it every time. I'm going to end it with gratitude every time. I am so grateful for every single one of you listening. Um, you really have just blown my mind with the amount of love and support and feedback you have given me over um, these past few months of me doing this thing, talking to a microphone, losing my mind a little bit. Um, so much love to you all. Um, and I really hope that you got something out of today's episode because it really, it, it, it's, Jules is, is one of those people um, that like the stars aligned, you know, the, 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 I wouldn't be able to do this podcast. No bullshit. Like that's not even me. Um, we hung up. She's not even here. Okay. It's just me and you talking now. You being the listener of this podcast. She's one of the reasons why I am able to trust myself enough to be able to do this thing consistently and to stay on it. So, um, check her out. Uh, like I said, I'm going to link her, uh, Instagram page in the bio of this episode. So go check her out, give her a follow, um, book a discovery call and, uh, see what she's all about. She puts great content out. She's just, she's worth the follow. I mean, the content that she puts out is actually insane. Um, and it's very aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, best of both worlds, really informative and aesthetically pleasing. Um, so yeah, hit her up, make sure you do that. And, uh, as always, I have nothing but love and gratitude for each and every one of you listening. Thank you guys so much. Again, I'm sorry about the late delay, but I think it was worth it. Um, so next week we're back on schedule with a Tuesday release. 